Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly. I, as ever, I'm your host, Louis McCaffrey, and tonight I'm joined by three of the good guys. Um, you know, I was going to have a, a wee spiel about some of the other um, podcasts, which are shite in their own right. Um, you've got the midweek bounce, you've got the agenda. We've just got three guys on here and we're going to talk about Celtic. To start us off, Alan Edgar. He is the, the stats man. He's not really the stats man. He's the analysis man, which is much better than being the stats man because that guy's Norwegian and born as shit. Um, Alan, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm, I'm a proper football man. That's how I like to describe myself. That's proper self-indulgent. That's it. Superb. And he's looking, um, well, he's looking great, but he's looking very hairy. It's Paul Carlin. See, that sounds like it was meant to be a compliment, but halfway through the sentence, it turned into a slagging. But you know what, Louis? I'm here for it, man. Thanks for See, having me. Do you know what I like about you, Paul? You're you're one of the, the Cynic Weekly guys, you know what I mean? You're not aligned to any of the other kind of midweek Plankton podcasts. It's, you know, I like that about you. That's a redeeming quality. You should keep that. Uh, dude, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Thank, thank you. And, uh, you know, the yin to my yang, the salt to my pepper. It's Christopher Somani. Beautiful. Beautiful as ever, Louis. Thank you for having me. You don't do the bouncy midweek, do you, Somani? I only do the pod of the people. And that is what we are on, gentlemen. I had um, I put in the flick chat earlier just saying, you know, if anybody's got anything they want to discuss on the show tonight to let us know. And somebody just asked us to actually talk about Celtic as opposed to what they do in the midweek bounce. But they just, you know, verbally touch each other for an hour and talk talk shit. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep it all about Celtic. And we've actually got some games to talk about, which is nice. Um, we've had the three games in France, um, which culminated in the, the game against PSG um, on Tuesday, which is why, obviously, that we were unable to record on Tuesday because the reaction was happening. Um, so that's why we're a bit later this week. Um, to start us off, just kind of thoughts. What's everybody's thoughts on the pre-season as, as it's been with our, our trip to France? Personally, I think it's been very, very good. I, I think the, the week away in, in Loughborough... Um, and then the kind of week they had in France, playing those three games against some, you know, some high opposition. I mean, obviously, PSG were a different, you know, a different level altogether the other night. Um, and and if, well, in both halves, to be fair, but especially first half. But um, yeah, I thought it was a very good, very good run out. Um, what's everybody's thoughts? I thought it was overall worthwhile. Um, I think it's the sort of stretch of the legs you need before the start of a season. We could have had three friendlies against like whipping boys, turned them over, got some wins under our belt. <clears throat> Excuse me. But instead of that, we played some decent opposition. Now, going for the three games, I actually didn't see the Leon game. Um, so, so you guys will need to pick up the slack there in terms of if you've seen that. But the Nice game, the first game I thought was fine. It was competitive. Um, showed some good stuff there. Um and then even in the PSG game, I know we were handily beaten by a squad that has been assembled for hundreds of millions of pounds. But even at that, I thought at points there was stuff to take from it. Some players played really well. There was some bright sparks. And I think overall, not to be too harsh on some players, I think we've kind of reiterated and underlined some of the areas where we do need to strengthen before the start of the season. So overall, I think it was a worthwhile, worthwhile experience, even if we only managed to get point if you're going to look at it that way in one of the games. Yeah, just sorry, just before anybody comes in, we should probably go over what the results were. So we played Nice first, um, which was a 1-1 draw. We then played Leon and we lost 2-1. Um, and then we played PSG and we lost a very respectable 4-0. Um, but it's not really about the results, of course. It's all about the all about the fitness. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I think Samani's kind of spot on as well. Like preseason games, they they really really don't matter. Like the results, they, they don't mean a thing. Don't get me wrong; it's great to win. I think the thing it's, it's not like that when you're watching it though, is it? Alan? when you're when you're watching it, you want to win. Like Samani's putting a group chat; it doesn't matter. But it does. It does for those ninety minutes at Mars. I, I don't mind this. I don't mind this getting beat like in preseason friendly games. Like genuinely, I, I don't, it's not that big an issue. I think where people's frustration came from 
is just watching your team kind of get, can I get a piss taken out of them? You know, at times, which on Tuesday, uh, you know, I think Celtic, I think they did well the first half. Um, I think there was a couple of really good moments. But yeah, it's just hard watching us play against players like Mbappe and Neymar. They're just a different level. Um, and I think it comes back to that discussion about the Champions League versus the Europa League. And, you know, if we were to go into this season again, make the Champions League, that's great. That's fantastic. But see if you're going to have to watch that, watch players like that at full fitness in a competitive game. You can watch it, but I mean, 50 seconds in, they score, and you just think, even though it's a preseason game, this could be this could be embarrassing. Um, I think that the one thing that I thought can really come out of the three games was I think you learned the hierarchy of the squad. You know, that's the most interesting thing. Because Neil Lennon kind of had his A team, his B team, and then he had maybe a couple of guys that are just over for the trip. You know, guys that didn't even get game time. And I think it's quite interesting to see how that stands. I think the A team was was quite clear. The only guy probably pushing from the, the second string team is probably Olivier and Cham. That's just a carryover from what we've seen last season, though. I think beyond that, I think there is a need to maybe add some faces um, to the team. But I, I, th- I think it's just interesting to see where Neil Lennon's thoughts were at, what his ideas were, and obviously the, the tactical issues as well, over four at the back or three at the back. So I don't think we learned a great deal other than who's his favourites and, and, and who's not, I suppose. Do you know what was one of my favourite things about it, though? And this is dead simple. Just watching Celtic. You know, it's been so long and it's felt like, it's just felt like an eternity. And even though these are just pre-season games, and like you guys say, they just don't matter. You know, and, and we can learn more about the team and, and the players can learn more about each other from games like this than they will against Horsen, you know, like a like breaking city or something, you know, 12-0. Um, but just getting to see Celtic on the telly again and... I quite enjoyed. I don't know. There was there was a lot of it's a lot of stuff to 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 take heart from, despite getting you know getting beaten through the games. Um, I I saw I saw the first two games. I saw the one one and the two one. All of those, uh, and yeah, enjoyed it. And a couple of good performances. I'm sure we'll get a, in a bit more detail on those as we go through. But yeah, the PSG. I just saw the highlights from and. You know, I kind of just thought we'd get beat 9-0. And I was quite happy you just don't get a horse 9-0, to be honest. Um, and, but, but the yeah, the name that you mentioned there, Alan, Olivia and Cham, is just the name that's been buzzing about in my head since these games. Because I'm thinking, what happens with him? I have concerns that we're going to lose him. Um, that he'll be sold in this window. And he was just one of the players that I just thought really impressed over those three games, even though we didn't have loads of loads of game time, he just looked, you know, him captain in the B team. Um, aye, there's just something about that guy that we don't have, we don't see from anyone else in the team. I think it's, as as Alan said, it, it it did do quite a lot for showing us what Lennon thinks of the squad. You know, initially going into the games because obviously, as he said, there was there was very much an A team, um, and then a B team. The A team. No real big surprises. Obviously, um, a lot of people had thoughts that maybe Ball and Golly would come back in at left back and whether he would get his chance again. But you know, he wasn't in that that first team. So, um, Greg Taylor was in there at left back, which we'll, we'll come on to in a wee minute. Um, the midfield three you had Brown, Christie, McGregor, and then as you say, maybe in Cham was the only one really threatening that. Uh, Moy El, El Yunusi, um back in the team and looking very good. He was another player that really impressed, I think. Um, just before we go into like, individuals and, and things like that, did, does anybody have any issue with that being the first 11 come Hamilton a week on, a week on Sunday? I mean, if that's what he's going to go with, you know, are we quite happy with that? Is that strong? Or you know, do, do you think there's some glaring things that need to be addressed in that starting 11? I think in Cham's played his way into the side, regardless of whether Brown's there or not, because we might come to talk about that in terms of in Cham's performance and where he played in the, the PSG game because Brown wasn't there. Um, but again, these games, they, they don't matter. And we're going to say that over and over again, but they do give you a, a, a kind of barometer of where the, some of the squad are in terms of fitness or where they are in terms of, of, of ready, how ready they are to go. And for me and Cham, quite clearly stood out in comparison to Christie, who Christie's energy and stuff like that is very, very good. Um, but what can let him down quite often is his passing. Now, 
His pressing, certainly domestically, I think, has won his games, without a doubt. But when you put him in against a European team like PSG, I think you could see that in Cham's much greater quality in terms of possession, he shone out far more than Christie did. Christie looked very much like, I think you might have said this in the reaction, Louis, like a Scottish player running about and harrying. Now, that's not me writing off Christie. Uh, I think he's a terrific player and I think he'll be a big player for us, certainly domestically this season. But right now, on the basis, if you're going to take the barometer of those three games so far, I've got Chris, I've gotten Chaman, sorry, instead of Christy. See, see, just on that, like, I, I don't know, I, I kind of find it a bit harsh, the criticism of, of Ryan Christie, because I think he's been so good for us and, and been consistently good for a long period of time. You know, see if you compare him with Olivier and Cham, which is obviously going to happen now, you know, who has who has done more in their time at the club? I would personally say Christie. I, I think Christie. I, 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 it maybe doesn't, but I, I just think Christie deserves a wee bit more respect than I think some people give him credit. You know, give him. And I think his place in the team. Okay, he might he might drop out for Incham, but I still think Christie's a very very good player. You can't. I'll let I'll let Alan and the, the and Paul in a second, but you can't cash in on previous performances. See Mr. Rogic Tom. Thank you. <laughs> well, come on to him later, don't you worry about that. Oh, about that one pass? No, well, no. Right. Oh. <laughs> one pass? Four hands. Four hands, Tom. I would be quite up for discussing that, Tom Rogic pass, because it, it was glorious, um, even though it had absolutely no impact. It just looked good. Um, Did you see Paddy Roberts pass? No, he didn't, Alan, because he doesn't play football anymore. Anyway, yeah, crack on. The, he, scored, he scored last week. Sorry, carry on, Alan. I, I, I think it was just, oh, you know. I was a mirage. I didn't have. <laughs> I, I think the thing with Jam and Christie is, I, I think Samani's fairly accurate. You know, pre-season's an opportunity for players to maybe show what they can do. And you seen against PSG, he's comfortable with top-class players in and around him. He doesn't get phased or panic. Uh, and that's usually an indicator a player that knows his level and his quality. But I do think that Neil Lennon's a big one for him. We talked about it a, a lot last year. He picks players for the game that he's, you know, he's trying to win. You asked Louis, I'll be happy with, with that 11 against Hamilton next weekend. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. If you're asking me though, would I be happy with that 11 in a Champions League tie? You know, maybe to qualify in a group stage tie? The answer would probably be No. Um, and I think there's more than enough games in the season to rotate guys. You know, Ryan Christie can play probably three or four different positions. Olivier and Cham are a wee bit more limited, but I, I think if you're picking your best central midfielders, I think Olivier and Cham has to has to be one of them. Um, do, you think, do, you, do you think the fact Brown wasn't there today and, you know, did that help him? Do you think? It, it helps him, I think, in in the aspect that he gets a start. Because as much as my opinion is that Olivier Cham's probably probably maybe the best central midfielder at the club, I think the issue that you have is that Scott Brown will start. I think there's a good chance Scott Brown will start every game he's fit this season. I, I don't think that he's going to be rotated out. I, I don't see it. I, I, the sounds coming for the club seem to be that Scott Brown will play if Scott Brown's available. So um, he obviously missed out. He missed out in the PSG game because he wasn't fit. So, you know, he's who knows how this is going to affect him and his body trying to get back up to kind of peak levels after such a long time out. Um, Paul, would, where do you stand on the midfield three? Who's who's your favourite? So you're putting in? Uh, I think McGregor is kind of the first you put out of those three for me most of the time. I know he wasn't great against PSG, but... Um, I think McGregor is has got to be in there, um, and when Brown's fit, I think McGregor and Brown and Cham, and that kind of again, again it depends on what formation we're playing. Though you know, if we're do if we're playing the sort of three five two, I'd love it if it was Brown, McGregor, and and Cham because I think it just gives you a brilliant range of passing, just range of different ability, different pressing, and Cham's prepared to try some different stuff. Um, I think, yeah, I think Alan hit the nail on the head. Christie will get his chance and Christie will be required a lot this season. But if we can hold on to Cham, I think it's got to be Cham McGregor-Brown for me. Um, uh, I think Cham just gives us something that no one else at the club's got. Um, and, you know, like we're all familiar with the phrase technicians on the pitch, right? Which we came unstuck with that against Cluj. 
but that was because we were trying to kind of crowbar in and cham Christie and McGregor. Um, one of them's got to fall out, and at this stage, I think Christie's fallen out for a okay. wee while. For a wee while. Yeah, I think just Paul, you picked up on it as well. But to reiterate Alan's point about <clears throat> excuse me, rotation this season, there's there's a place for everybody. I mean, Tam Tam's going to. I mean, you made the, the phrase you used, would I be happy with that team starting a Champions League qualifier? Well, no, you wouldn't. But if you're bringing in somebody like Rodgick, you would be happy bringing him in in certain games because he does, he can do things that other players can't do. So in your immediate thought, if you're going to pick your first choice Celtic central midfield three, I wouldn't have Rodgick in it. I wouldn't have Christie in it just now. But you can see there's going to be opportunities for these guys. And I maybe disagree with Alan as well. I think Lennon might start to kind of phase, I wouldn't say phase Scott Brown out, sorry, but use him more sparingly because I think that lockdown and that stop period might not have been beneficial for a guy of Brown's age in terms of getting back up to speed. So if, if Brown isn't an immediate starter all the time, then there is another space in there and things start to open up. So I take your point about not being harsh on Christy Louie. I don't think... I don't think a lot of people, well, we certainly weren't on here, maybe somewhere, but right now, if you're picking your first choice three, he's not in it. That's what I would say. Is that your pet seagull now? <laughs> <laughs> was, yes. He stayed, he stayed very professional during that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that just the only thing... I, the window's I, open. What do you want me to do? Fucking close I, it. You can shut the window. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get the impression that you know, that this might be a, a bit of a moot point. I think in a couple of weeks or months, I'm not sure that this discussion will be valid because as much, I think most of the players at that club, I think, would be quite content playing, you know, two-thirds of the games. I think now we're 11 Cham, he's spent a good bit of time here. I'm not, I think he would be seeking assurances that he will play 50-plus games this season because if he doesn't, at the age he's at, I think at the, the level he's able to play at, I don't think it would be acceptable for him to be a bit part player again, which is, uh, that feels maybe a wee bit harsh. But I think he wants, he needs to be a top player here. For this, for his move to Scotland to be a success, he needs to be a guaranteed starter every week and also a, a key cog in the team. And I think if he was to give him a similar role to what he had last year or the year before, I think he would make the decision that that's not really beneficial to his career, and who could blame him? I know, I know that I don't really want to get into this again because we've all we've been here many times before, and you know we always get made to, or at least I do, I get made to look stupid. But is Celtic's best midfield three actually a midfield three probably without Scott Brown in terms of a footballing on pure ability? I mean, Scott Brown does things that no one else does. It's a bit like what Samani's saying about you bring players like Roger in because he can he could do something that others can't do. Scott Brown's the same. Um, but could it be that actually if you had in Cham, McGregor and Christie, I mean, would that be a better midfield three than, than dropping Christie out and putting Brown in? It's a really exciting prospect when you think about what those guys can do. And I certainly would have no issue with that if we were playing... You know, a team in the bottom half of the Premiership. But Alan, I think it was you made a really good point on a podcast recently about the work that Scott Brown does to protect the central defenders. Um, and I still think we need that because I think our central defenders are still prone to a lapse in concentration, some kind of mistake. Again, there's questions asked about who actually is going to be playing in defence. At the start of the season, is it going to be two central defenders or three and is, is Beaton going to be involved in there is Ohamid going to get a chance there I know we'll come to this sorry I'm jumping ahead but Brown for me is really important in the fact that he'll sometimes just duck back kind of be playing that little space just in front of but between the two central defenders and I don't think Christie has kind of got the dis- discipline for that I don't think that's in Cham's bag at all I think McGregor would do it if he was asked but I don't think it's making the best use of his talents so I think Brown, for as long as he's fit, should start. The, maybe the other, sorry to just jump in. I think the only other interesting thing, maybe just to kind of pick out as well, is that if 
kind of off the top of my head. I don't think Sorrow or Scott Robertson were given minutes against PSG, even when Ryan Christie, who I absolutely love, incredible for his last year, the last 25 minutes against PSG, Ryan Christie looked... He looked like he was dying to come off. He really, really struggled. Everything he touched kind of turned to shit a little bit, which which happens sometimes as a player, especially late on in that game. But not to bring Sorrow and Robertson on, I think maybe gives you an idea that they're not there yet in Neil Lennon's eyes. You need to earn big minutes. And I think PSG game was treated differently to the Lyon game and the, the Nice game. And I think that the fact that he didn't give any of them game time when I think we could have been doing a wee change in there, I think just maybe tells you that not to expect a great deal from from those guys. Before we go on to some of those players and and if you like B team, um, the Bain train, the Bain train is is derailed. It's, it's in a ditch. It's it's over. <laughs> and the dream's over. Some man, look at him. He's like, <laughs> see, I, I can see him on Zoom, and he's like, oh, geared up, coming close to the camera. Go right. Tell me, I was. I'm going tell to me you were right. I was wrong. I'm, I'm going. No, that's not the way it is. I'm going to just call you out gently. <laughs> gently, you're still being snidey. You're just trying to ease it in. You were on the Bain train. I was. Even when there was no reason to be on it. And then remember, you're now on the Encham Tram. Encham <laughs> Tram, I. Him thrown under the bus as well. You know. Come on. Be That's what we do here at the 90 Minute Cynic. We've made a podcast that have thrown people under a, a bus or train. Paddy, or... Paddy Roberts is a great player. I've always said it. <laughs> You're right, Louis McCaffrey. <laughs> so, um, just to go back to Bain, all joking aside, um, I've never thought he was good enough to be number one. I think, and again, it's harsh probably to judge somebody. If you remember, Forster came back to us the second time. Uh, after he made an arse a goal in a Newcastle pre-season friendly so um, it happens but for me you, that, that, to not save that shot just really underlined the problem we've got in the goalkeeping department before today actually don't know maybe it was earlier on it, it just hit me but I'm getting a little bit worried about the goalkeeping situation because Bain Bain's fine just has been there as the backup, do you know? But if you went into the, the if you went into the first game of the season with him as your goalkeeper and Hazard or whoever is the number two, that's that that's concerning. And we're being linked with goalkeepers and things like that, but nothing nothing overly concrete. And we were linked with that Robin Olsen today. He's rotten, the keeper that went to to, to Roma. So the names that we're linked with, Forster doesn't seem to be going on. The Barkis link from from Greece doesn't seem to be happening. Well, apparently. Low balled an offer in there. Peter Law's offered a, a million and a Mars bar. Well, exactly. I mean, we, we put we put in a bid, we put in a million and a Mars bar for Mbappe, but we never quite got there. You know, it's starting to tip down the list in my head. Maybe I'm wrong, Joe Hart, and then you're starting to get down to oh, who knows. But anyway, somebody else. Cheer it's the twenty third of July. I mean, somebody. The season starts in a week, though. Can we? Uh, we uh, uh, Can we call? Um, Barkas uh, Hound Dog, please. I, I think I want to get into the habit of coming up with shite nicknames for players we're linked with. So, Vassal is Hound Dog Barkas. Is that why? Why Hound Dog? You've peaked. I think you've peaked there, Paul. I don't Bark. know if you beat that. It's a. It's a. It's basically a dog play on words. It's not very good, but it's it's some uh, Robin, Mary Kate, and Ashley Olsen. Oh, for fuck. I believe you made a a, a pun that was far too highbrow for the three of us um, because it completely <laughs> went over my head as well. That shows you the level we're dealing with here. <laughs> no, working comedy, Alan. Uh, right, I'd like to say something. I'd like to address... That's why you're like, here. I'd like to personally address Fraser Forster, right? Fraser, stop. Look. Listen to your heart. Do what it tells you. The Waynes are crying. It's... Granny's dying wish. Do the right thing. Choose to be a legend. Choose immortality. Stop this stupid nonsense. I've been to Southampton. It's shite. You belong here. You belong to Celtic. You belong to Glasgow. We belong together. Come home, Fraser. Come home. Nah, fuck him. Wait a minute. Him. You were reading that? Yeah, I wrote it. That's how I, that was my prep. <laughs> Yep. Would you honestly it's take him? It's got to be off the cuff, Paul. It's got to be off the cuff. 
Well, well it on. was when I wrote it two minutes ago. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to give him one last chance. I'm ready to be Jesus, let down. You're one looking more desperate. Time. You're looking no, desperate. Like, well, you okay, can't... okay. If I, I may be desperate, but if our options are fucking David Marshall, ancient Joe Hart, shite, fucking Hound Dog Barkas, does he want to come? We're not going to get him. Guy for Roma, shite. I mean, Scott Bain is no up to it. It's Fraser or nobody for me. So if, if, if Fraser Foster drags his heels and says, oh, fine, then I'll come, would oh. you take him, Alan? Of course. Aye, absolutely. Um, your number one target. I'm too well. The, the, the problem is that I, I I think Fraser Foster's wants to wait a lot longer to see where he stands with Southampton um, or maybe with a, another Premier League team. And if, if the question for us is, can we wait until the first week in October or the second week in October, whenever it is the, the transfer window closes, can we wait that long for Fraser Foster? I, I'm not sure we can because, uh, you know, Champions League qualification before that, you know, it will be 10 games into the season at that point. You've got to, you've just got to identify who your number one target is and go and get him. I don't have a problem with all these links with different goalkeepers because that, that's just what you do. Um, you know, names will be getting thrown about, and they'll maybe have two or three that they're really hot on. And it seems like Barkas is is one of them. Um, I'm just not convinced that if if Athens wants seven million, I'm not convinced that we'll pay seven million for a goalkeeper. Um, I, I don't think it's within uh, what we we look to do. I think they would need to come down significantly on that. Um, and, and my worry is that we end up maybe three or four weeks down the line. And end up making a, a bad decision um, on recruitment because that's that's what happens. That's always when bad decisions are made when you're kind of boxed into a corner and you feel we need to get somebody, and that's what that seems like they feel just now. That's when you end up giving somebody a three-year deal that really doesn't deserve one, or you overpay or something like that. And we know that's not going to happen. So that's that's my concern that we don't get a number one target and we end up settling for someone to provide competition for Scott Bain. Scott Bain doesn't need competition, in my opinion. I, I think I'm with Samani. I think he's a He's a very, very good backup goalkeeper for Celtic, but for me, he's not an ideal number one. We've apparently made a bid of three point five million for this Barkas. I think with a an extra million and further down the line or something. Um, he seems to be the one that we've been linked with, you know, consistently, and, and there's, you know, we might possibly have actually bid for. I mean, from what I've seen of him on YouTube. I think he looks good. He looks like a big presence. Um, I don't like his goatee beard, to be honest. Oh, I think that's oh. got to go. Um, first thing first thing that we do to him when he signs is we take him to the barbers and we pay £25 for a beard shave. And uh, £25. I don't know you, what they cost. You, you've not had your Tory haircut yet, have you, Paul? Uh, a week on Friday. A week tomorrow. I can't wait, man. I am... Desperate for a haircut. We'll need to get you on the. We'll need to get you on the Cynic Weekly the episode after that, so you can talk us through it. Right, brilliant. See for that twenty five pound, but they can't be using anything but scissors, surely. Uh, it's actually take... your your hair gets licked off by like <laughs> unicorns. <laughs> That's oh. weird. Sorry, <laughs> superb. Um, the, la- the last the last kind of debate I wanted to have about the the starting eleven is Bolingoli versus Greg Taylor. Um, Taylor I thought played well um, certainly in the, the first game um, I thought he started really well and he's he's a player that I he's not maybe not going to be as exciting or as kind of flashy as some other players he probably does have his limitations but we could depend on him domestically could we not? Nah. He's, he's the left back version of Scott Bain he, oh. he he's he's perfect to fill in and slot in, but I don't think he's a particularly strong defender. I don't think he's particularly good at attacking. I think he put a good ball in for Eddie in the Nice game. That was nice. But in the PSG game, people were praising him for getting forward. But his final ball was really, really bad. Really bad. For me, Taylor is fine. As he's, he's, he's fine to slot in, but exact same way, he needs he doesn't need competition. He needs somebody who's better than him to slip in there. The fact that we've signed Bowley and Taylor to replace Kieran Tierney when he was at his peak 
we've really, really regressed in the left-hand side. And I think we absolutely need another uh, left-back there. And that's me just discounted boldly because I genuinely don't think it's going to work for him at Celtic. I, I, I think if... I don't see there's any prospect that Celtic buy a left-back unless one of those goes out the door. Um, I would not think for a second that Peter Loyal or whoever it is, I don't think they will allow Celtic to, to bring in another left-back and have three players for one position when actually Neil Lennon might end up going to a back three as well. Um, I don't think there's any prospect to a left-back coming in unless one of them goes. And Greg Taylor's not going to go and I don't know what the script would be in terms of tr- trying to move Bolly on because you probably not get a club from in the UK at the moment because he he's not been a, a rip roaring success at Celtic, so you'd be probably need to move him back, you know, back to Europe. I, I think I've been pretty clear on it. I think of the two, I think Bolly's got the higher ceiling, um, but I think there's certainly a lot of negativity. Um, I did enjoy. It's very hard when your manager shouts at you where you go and Bolly. It's going to be very difficult to come back for that. Um, it's, it is a very negative atmosphere around Bolly at the moment. I think a lot of people have decided that he's garbage and that Greg Taylor's, Greg Taylor's more trustworthy. I, I'm not sure. I, I feel that Bolly might not be what we hoped he would be, but I, that doesn't make Greg Taylor the, the right option at left back either. He's still a young boy. He's still learning. I think he's got a lot of learning to do before he, he's a, a, a Celtic quality left back. And he, he might get to that stage at one point. Um, because it sounds like he's got a great attitude and he's working really hard off the pitch, but um, I'm a wee bit concerned at that position as well, um, because I, I'm not sure how much patience Neil Lennon will have with, with Bolly at left-back. He's already had a long spell out the side, and then he came back in, and it is, he's having a tough time now, so I, I think it's an issue, but I, I don't see Celtic buying a left-back at all, um, unless one of them goes. I don't know what you, what you guys think of that. but uh, I agree, and I mean, let's talk about Aaron Hickey, that name comes up again and he's not the answer. No chance. I think we need to hunker down and just expect Greg Taylor to be first choice this season. And if he gets injured, it might be Bowley, but I, I, I hate it because I think Bowley just seems cool and I, I agree with Alan. I think he's there's something really great there. And when he, you know, when he had a good run of games last season, it was quite exciting to watch. But he's just I just don't think he's going to get a chance anymore. Um, I just don't think Lennon trusts him. And Lennon is really all about trust, you know, and earning his trust and, and then you'll get your chance. But I don't know. It just does there's, there's something no right in that relationship. Um so I think it's going to be Taylor for this season, which isn't well, ideal. Bowley, I think when I've watched him and he's been good, when I've seen him do good things, he's been he's been on the front foot. Now that was quite often linking up with El Yunusi at points last season but certainly for me he looked like a guy who when his confidence was up was an attacking threat now I've always had concerns about him defensively um, but that's not to say that there can't be there can't be a role for him further forward I don't know how he could adapt to that but there's certainly an attacking prowess there that he's got when when he, when he's confident I regardless of what we think I don't think Lennon's going to trust him at left back so I there's a problem, and the problem there is that I think he's lost Lennon's trust because, as you say, Alan, he's dropped him um, for large spells, and we quite openly heard them shouting about him. So it seems to me that that's why I said it's not going to work out for him. Whatever is in there, I think the ship's kind of passed for him a wee bit, and Taylor is just vanilla for me. Um, so I'm, I'm not not hundred percent sure we won't sign somebody else, but the fact is. I think we've got a recruitment quite badly wrong there, coming off the back of the Tainley sale, um, and we may live to regret that. So um, it's, it is a concern for me. Let's have a let's talk a wee bit about some of the fringe players that that came in, some of the players from the B team that you know we've got a, a question in the flick chat. Um, Michel Bianger, I think I think I got it right this time. Michel he said which Bianger. Aye. Which player was this pre-season trip most important for in terms of staking a claim for a spot in the, spot in the squad? Um, obviously, we've discussed in Cham being in that starting 11. He was probably the biggest one to make the impression. But from this list of, 
of kind of B team players, if you like. We had um, Klamala, El Hamid, Welsh, Beaton, Bolongoli, Robertson, Sorrow, and Cham, Dembele, and Henderson came on, um, and, and that pretty much made up the, the B team. Um, couple, I mean, there's, there's a lot of kind of interesting things. The first one for me that I mentioned on the reaction after the PSG game, um, I'm not so worried about centre-halves. I think if if we, provided no one leaves, I mean, provided that we keep a hold of, uh, we keep a hold of Ayer, um, Ayer and, uh, Ayer and um, Julian will be obviously the first choice centre-halves. But I was quite impressed by both Beaton and Welsh when they came in the first two games. Um, I thought they looked really good. I thought Beaton, again, just looks very comfortable in possession and, you know, great with the ball at his feet. And it looks as if his, you know, his defensive attributes are improving as well. It looks more like a centre-half than, you know, a midfielder that's been put into a, a position he's not played for a long time or, or ever, really. Um, so I was impressed with him. But I was also really impressed with Welsh, Anybody else feel feel like that? I mean, if if, if those were, you know, you've got El Hamid that can obviously play centre-half as well. If we go with that as our kind of four, five centre-half options, that's good enough, right? I think Beaton's now your third-choice centre-back. Um, certainly he's composed and he, he's, he's pretty calm under pressure. I thought, like, I mean, again, we've got to remember we're playing PSG, but I thought he could have done better... Um, Hang on, am I getting these games right? He did play against PSG, didn't he? Aye, yeah. he was in defence. Yeah, yeah, he, he was the one that got sliced open aye, about Mbappe. 40 seconds into the game. I yeah. sleeping so, watching the game. Yeah, he could have done 100% better for that goal. But uh, I, I like him too. I like him at centre half. I don't know what it is. I feel, and, and now after all these years of him being a midfielder, I do see him now as a as a centre half. Um Again, it's between him and Ohamid. I haven't seen enough of Ohamid at centre half to really know if he's going to cut it. Really, like I know we had a few games last season, but he's always injured. So I think Beaton's now your your number three. Um, I'd be fine with Beaton, Julien, and Ayer at the back if we're playing a back three. Happy with that. Welsh looked all right as well. Not too phased. Um, again, and he'll he'll only really get better um, playing alongside those guys, but. Do you think this is the season to experiment <laughs> with young defenders? Beaton, um, Beaton's fine for games where we're not under pressure because he's a midfielder who's good with the ball at his feet. You play him at the back, he'll look good coming forward, but he does not have the, the quality when the level steps up to be a first-choice centre-half for us. Now, the thing is, it's all about the 10 this season. So let's put it let's put it to one side. Am I happy with him being involved defensively for us? No issue with it. Um in a lot of games in the SPFL. Would I be happy that he was then identified as our third choice centre half? Bearing in mind that, that might be in um a back three or three centre halves. No. No. I think we would be short there. I think he's good at filling in in certain games and he's got a lot of qualities in terms of bringing the ball forward. But he's not a defender. He's, he's, he's a midfielder who can fit in in defence and that's different. That's my feeling. I, I think Beton's done a stand-up job and he's, he's actually done a lot better than I thought he would have when Neil Lennon kind of first put him into centre-half um, and then it became more, more regular. But I think someone he's spot on. I, I think when the level steps up, you just see a lot of the things that are maybe natural, body position, shape. It's... He's just not a natural centre-half. And I think you will then get found out in games. Um, and teams will then look to exploit that. I mean, it is PSG, so I think we do need to put that big asterisk there. But getting caught kind of flat-footed with a straight pass right through the middle, it really is not ideal for a centre-half, especially when you get a back three as well. I think that's what it comes down to as well. Um, I think it's, are we going to see two or are we going to see three? If three is going to be a realistic option, um, which we should probably point out as well that a lot of sides are starting to do that now. Um, quite a lot of teams down in England. Um, three is becoming very vogue again. Um, and, and tactics is like anything else. It's very, very fashionable and teams will change based on that. We've done it last year. If we're going to go three, I think we need we need to bring another centre-half in. I think the likelihood is that Stephen Welsh will probably go out alone again. Um, I think if we were to get one in, and I'd be happy with that because I think he probably needs to go and learn his game. So he didn't have a great time on loan 
last year. He ended up getting playing at fullback. It didn't really suit him. So I think the idea of then him coming in and being potentially third choice, a fourth choice, maybe not for me. And we keep talking about El Hamid, but it's likely that El Hamid's going to, you know, spend a lot of time injured this year again. Um, have a look on transfer mark. He's got a really long injury history even before he came to Celtic. So discussing how good he is potentially seems a bit pointless because he is going to pick up knocks and he's going to miss a lot of game time. So um, I'm delighted with Iron Julian. If we can keep them, great. But if we're going to play three, I think you probably need one more. Just very quickly on El Hamid. Uh, uh, El Hamid looks like a 28-year-old who, if he didn't have those injury problems, would be playing at a very a much higher level than us. I think he looks genuinely a class act. Anytime I've seen him, genuinely. I mean, he got a wee bit of criticism for the the close game, the qualifier, but that's because he was just in and he was probably wasn't up to speed. But that was the only time I can remember any real criticism. If, but if, you're if, right. if, 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 if he was injury free, though, some money would you play? Would you have? Would you be happy with him then as as part of your back three? Well, the, I, I, I know it's hypothetical, but you know it is anyway. Isn't it? Hypothetically, if he was injury free, and generally speaking, he wouldn't be at Celtic. That's how good I think <laughs> looked at certain points. But I, it feels a moot point to me talking about him if he's going to play right back or he's going to play centre half because you just assume he's going to be unfit. Yeah, and the, the fact the guy is now twenty eight suggests that you know a guy like Forrest had injury problems earlier in his career and his body kind of transformed as he went forward, and that he, he kind of grew through them. At 28, it suggests he's going to have to live with him and all we're going to get is half a dozen um, games out of him. But I'll tell you this, hypothetically, if he stayed fit and we didn't have these injury problems, I would be happy with him as one of our centre-halves or our right-back. I've just got no faith in him playing that many games for us. I think that hot take will probably be the article, by the way. hope not. I think the good thing is that um, we're, we're now probably going to be moving on to positions where we don't have any problems and where we can actually just um, be happy clappers because I, I'm looking forward to that part of the podcast. It's not coming. This <laughs> <laughs> um, podcast. Back to the back to the midfield three. Sorrow. First time we've got to see Sorrow play. Um, got some game time in the first two games. Um, I thought I was really excited to see him. Uh, see what he was all about. I thought he. I said in the group chat, I thought he looked like he'd won a competition half of the time. Um, positionally, he was all over the shop. I mean, he was—he seemed to just be watching the ball, and then he'd—he'd he'd just get mesmerised by the ball and start running towards it, and then snap out of it and go, oh, "Shit, where am I?" And try and find back his space. And you know, I thought he was good on the ball or in the tackle. I thought he was really good, um, but. Yeah, he looks as if he's going to need a lot of education on how to play in the middle of the park and, and what his role is. But, you know, that was always going to be the case. But promising signs? Early days, man. I don't know. I'm not I'm not going to hitch myself to the wagon just yet. Um, I think he had some... Come on, get on it. Is it no. a wagon? If it's going to be a wagon, get on it. Let me think. If, it, if it's Sorrow, the Sorrow... Um, Think of a mode of transport that rhymes with it. We need Stuart Duggan for this. He's the king of this. Um, some decent moments, early days. I'll tell you what, though, there was absolutely no way if folk are um, kind of projecting him as being the Scott Brown replacement, he ain't he ain't because they are a completely different type of player. Um, I don't know. I just find it hard to make an assessment on a player from friendly matches because I'd I'd love to see him. Honestly, I would love to see him play against. Maybe like Motherwell or Aberdeen or a, or a, a Scottish team that you know might give us a wee bit of a game um, to really make a judgment on whether or not he's going to be good. Aye, decent signs, but we need more. We need more. I, I quite like the look of Soro. I you know from um, obviously played a lot of football for a, a guy his age. Um, I was a wee bit surprised he didn't go on against PSG because I did think that we could have done where he changed there. And I think I'm not coming on probably as indicative that you might not see him a lot this season, but I think he's got a lot of natural attributes. He, he doesn't play the game like a man his age. He really doesn't. He's very comfortable in the ball, presses really hard, shifts it, keeps the game simple. I think he would be an ideal player in that kind of that wee space if he define his role as that. I think the problem was in the, the game we've seen that we were kind of chasing the ball and, and it wasn't a simple game for us at all. It's very, very difficult. Um, and I, 
certainly wouldn't be judging him on that. Of the signings that we brought in in January, I think him, him and Klamala both looked quite sharp. So I, I, I would like to see more game time for them both, but it's going to be at a premium this season, I think, especially in the league. I think um, just on that, you touched on Klamala at the end there. I think both Soro and Klamala, they look like two players who've got good attributes to their game, but maybe require a bit of refinement. And again, this season... Is there going to be? T- I mean, it depends. It depends how quickly we start, how the league goes. If you if you get an early lead and you ended up going forward, you might see these guys coming in a wee bit more. But you've got to expect that it's going to be tense and tight um, all the way up through. So Lennon's going to go with guys that he trusts. Um, so they, we look as if they look as if there are a couple of players. They've got some talent in there. But I just think there's maybe not going to be enough room to breathe in the squad this season, so that we'll see a huge amount of them. I think we will see them, just not as much as maybe we would in other circumstances. What about uh, Scott Robertson? He, I thought he was impressive um, in flashes. He looked as if there's, you know, I think he's kind of highly regarded, and you know we've seen him get a wee bit of game time um, last or earlier on, no, last season. Um, I was impressed. I, th- I think there's a player there. Um, I, I know I, I take the point. It's the 10 season, so is it really the season to be budding youngsters into the team? I mean, probably not, but then we can't, we're, we're, we don't have a, a, a kind of limitless budget. We're not going to go out and strengthen in four or five different areas, so we need squad players. We need players that can come in and do a job. Um, it is the strongest area of the pitch, without a doubt, but Personally, I think he's got something to give. I think he's got something to offer, and I, I think he he stood out at times and, and done himself no harm at all in, in the, the couple of games that he played. He's probably the kind of guy that might benefit from going out on loan. I know that kind of goes against what you're just saying, Louis. But if you know if he could get a season at a you know a decent championship team or a, another team in, in our division, then comes back a year later, maybe he's ready to challenge for a place. But um, I asked. I just think it's too soon for him as well. Um, I, 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 Ewan Henderson. I don't think he, he set the header alight in these games, but I really like. I like the look of him. I think he just. I think he looks like a confident player, and he's probably closer to the first team than these other guys. It's not necessarily maybe what we need because he's probably more attacking than Robertson would be, um, and we're quite well blessed in that number 10 position and even that out in, in the left side cutting in um, on his right foot but Henderson I think has something um, I don't know man like it's it's it's, it's it'd be great I'd love to start these guys I'd love for them all to get a chance this season but uh, I just don't think it's going to happen um, the, the 10's too important like actually I think the 10 is more important than European football for me as well I'd, I'd, I would just I don't really care about the rest of it. I just want to win the league this season, and and it's going to be done with our with our first team players. Both of them probably would benefit from going on loan. Henderson and, and I, I've liked the look of Henderson. I've liked the look of Robertson. Have I seen somebody that's going to bust into that midfield? No, not yet. And Paul's spot on. They're not going to get game time, so they probably should take a loan. Pretty much it. Upcoming. <laughs> <laughs> tell you what, tell you what, though, Louis Klamala is a guy that I'm a wee bit more excited about than I was uh, last season. You know what? I'm the, telling you, Klamala's going to score at Ibrox and bless himself. You heard the here first. There's my, there's my hot take. Get that in the article. Why Everything that, about him coming back. Why does this feel a wee bit like Shved last summer? Like. <laughs> It's just it's got that air to it. Everybody getting excited about him because he's I don't know like gained like a million pounds. Um, Klamala's actually real though, which is a start. Shved Shved doesn't actually exist. Listen, on Shved, right? He stayed here during lockdown and all that, and that means something. Apparently, oh, oh, here we go. Is this your mole prediction? Shved to get at least. Six games for us next season. You heard it here first. Six? Six. Oh, I can't is that, wait. Is that, I can't is that wait an, to quote that later on, later on the season. Is that an exclusive, Sir Manny? <laughs> 50-50 chance it is, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's um, let's talk a wee bit about uh, strikers if we can. Uh, one player that we didn't get the chance to see um, was Bio. I think I don't know. If, I assume that Bio got an injury, and that's why he was he didn't feature. Um, we've been linked with a, a striker from West Ham. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce his name because I'll mess it up. Um, but they paid quite a bit of money for him. I think eight million. Um, He's not had, I don't think he's had much game time, to be fair. Do we need another striker? Obviously, I think when we spoke last, um, we obviously, the players were going out to France and Lee Griffiths wasn't going with them. And then out in France, obviously, um, Neil Lennon kind of gave a wee bit more info on it all and, and was quite critical of, of Lee Griffiths. And I don't think we had the chance to talk about that. So, Two points is is Lee Griffiths from what what's been said by Lennon is Lee Griffiths finished and do we need to bring someone else in in terms of a, a striker? Anyone of you? You're Everyone's terrified of that question, speak. right? Fuck it, I'll go first. Is Le, is Lee Griffiths finished? Um, I don't think so. He's come back from time out before, and you know, let's not forget the form he was coming into at the end of last season. Um, it was great to see, uh, you know, bagged some goals, linked up really well with Big Eddie. Um, it's really about whether or not, again, it comes down to trust once again. It's, does Lennon trust him? Um, and uh, there's so much going on with Lee Griffiths, you know, the kind of non-football side of things that we, we just don't know what's going on in his life right now. Um, if Lee Griffiths can get himself up to an acceptable level of fitness, I think he'll probably feature in some way. Well, um, that sounds like a very strenuous backing of Lee Griffiths. Like, you don't want to be making that statement right now, do you? Nah, because like, because I don't, because it's, it's, you just don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, it's like I, a hostage hope, asking for a ransom, you know what I mean? Just, you know. Yeah, can, and of course, because I look like a hostage because I need a haircut and a shave. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I really, I, I just want to see Lee Griffiths succeed. Um, I'd love to see him succeed at Celtic. It's the question is like is, is is Lee Griffiths and Celtic the right marriage at this stage in his career? I hope so, because we know how great he can be. Um, but but there's more to it than than we four can really comment on. But I'd like him to feature this season. He's been here a long time. You know, he's he's part of the the whole well the nine in a row kind of dynasty. Lee Griffiths is a big part of it, so it'd be great if he could stick around. I know what some Annie's going to say. Can I can I predict it? Go on. Oh, you predict it. Kalmala and Bio are, Bio are shite. <laughs> and you can't just rely on Eddie all season. So, aye, he's staying and he's got to play. Am I right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bio, I'm, I'm not, not convinced about Bio. He's not played much for this. Kalmala, I'm a bit like Paul. I've got some high hopes for it. Griffiths, I ain't writing off at all uh, because I said that a couple of weeks ago. It's really disappointing that he's done it again, you know, in terms of, in terms of, you know, coming back on fit, especially now. I mean, he's obviously got, you said, mental health issues, so you don't know what's going on. So you need to put that caveat there, right? But you still would want him to come back professionally from a Celtic fan point of view. You would want him to come back um, ready to go. Um, See, even though he hasn't, that doesn't mean he's done because Griffiths has got a history of coming back from situations and proving us wrong. Happened before lockdown, um, when he, he came back after Christmas, sorry, and hit the ground running. So, is it a wee bit disappointing we didn't get to see him and, you know, he wasn't in the condition he should be? Of course it is. But I am not, I'm not, I still think he's going to play a part for us this season. He also, Alan, just before you came in, I'd, I'd like to know if everybody is either Team Stuart or Team, team Christian. Personally, Team Stuart. I'm going to wait to the others see before I pick. Well, Stuart's, Stuart, Stuart's my Stuart's my pal. You know, Stuart's been my pal pre cynic days. So, yeah, Team Stuart. Although I like Christian, but Team Stuart. How? I don't like uh, being boxed into a corner on a live <laughs> podcast recording. Really. I think that's Stuart's um, meant to be your best friend, Alan. Very unreasonable. I like keeping options open, Paul. Uh, there's always <laughs> a lot of space. I'm 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 picking Christian because it sounds like nobody else is. One love, Christian. One love. <laughs> be sympathy punk there <laughs> um, 
I, I think on Lee Griffiths, I think Samani's kind of uh, kind of flagged up the one thing that obviously we need to be aware of, um, and then you know be very careful and sensitive what we're saying. But I, I'll try and do that justice. I think from a purely footballing perspective, I, I think the severity to not take a player as part of your pre-season preparations, to not take him down to where you're working on, you know, shape, ball work for a week, and then to miss four games off the back of that during pre-season, I think you need to be aware of how significant that is. And I think at the age league, Lee Griffith turns, turns 30, I think, in a couple of weeks, to, to miss a large part of your, your pre-season because you're not in the condition to even take part in that, I think is a fairly damning indictment. And I think for the manager then to criticise you publicly and a couple other things that, you know what, social media, things like that, but we're not going to get into that. I think it's just something that you need to be very mindful of. And I think it's a, it's a very, it's as big as it gets, I would say, to be left out because you're not come back in shape. Um, and I think that it'll be very difficult for him to then you know, firstly get himself back into that condition he'll be able to do that I don't think that'll be an issue over the course of a couple of weeks but to then get into match sharpness to try and work your way into the manager's first team plans I think it'll be very very difficult to do and it's almost kind of intertwined with another thing as well that if Neil Lennon feels that he needs to give Lee Griffiths game time in October, November I think it'll be because he feels like he really really does need it football managers like anything else are survivalists if Neil Lennon thinks he needs Lee Griffiths, he will go, go back to him. Um, so almost, if Lee Griffiths doesn't get another chance this season, I think it bodes well because it means that we're playing well. But if he doesn't think he's getting anything out of Clamalla and Bio, then he'll not hesitate to go to Lee Griffiths because I'll be honest, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think you're going to be able to get any club in Scotland to pick up anywhere near the amount of wage they would have to, to put him out on loan. And I don't know what the market's like for him elsewhere. So... I think he'll be here until he gets himself back in shape and then it'll just be a case of do we need him and then whether actually Neil Lennon goes to him. I think there's a, there's a lot at play there but it's it's a very severe indictment from Neil Lennon um, of Lee Griffith's condition and his what we believe to be attitude as well. We've get, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Very quickly, we're going to save the best to last. Tom Rogic, talk, talk to me about that pass, Alan. That technique is just incredible don't get me wrong it'd be nice to see him do it in an area of the park where it mattered and in a, in a match with mattered which we've not seen for a long time but his technique is just unbelievable and um, the, the guy is he's dripping in it he? he's dripping in technique he is he is um, I'm glad you said that because I'd never be able to pull off an expression like that but it, 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 it actually looked really good and that relationship between him and James Forrest on the right hand side I'd love for us to get back to that level where we can see that again yeah that's Amani yeah, Alan, uh, just to reiterate what Alan said there, it was lovely to see that in a wee daft exhibition game and it would be great to see him pull that off in uh, a game that mattered. Um, I've said it before, Tam has technically got a lot for his game, but he's also got a lot of deficiencies. Um, he'll have his part to play this season, um, just maybe not as much as you'd want to no, no, I think he's... Dale, Dale Hampson in uh, the flight chats asked, uh, what's a more appealing midfield? Brown, McGregor, Christie, or McGregor and Cham, Christie, or Rogic, Rogic, Rogic? It's obviously Rogic, Rogic, Rogic. Um, he's the greatest. I, I don't know, just before... I'm very quickly going to throw this grenade in before we finish, but I think Tom Rogic's one of the biggest question marks in the side, not because of his ability, but he's probably on a significant enough wage that he... If it was to go, you would be able to bring another option in. But if he doesn't, then and you almost need to use him. I, I think it's a, I think Tom Rogers is a massive question mark. I really do. Because if you're not going to get the best out of him, I think you would really need to think about moving him on. And it feels like we've been having that conversation for about two or three windows now. Um, I think this is his last six months before you can really almost get away with it before it's too late almost. He done really, really well there for about an hour, Alan. 
and then you've then you've worried me. Listen, we're going to leave it there. We're going to wrap up. Um, we our podcast next week hopefully should be on Tuesday, um, and we will preview the start of the league season. Um, we were meant to have a game on Saturday against uh, Derry City, but it looks as if that's fallen through. I'm sure the club will be trying to get some sort of replacement uh, fixture if they can, because that was going to be the first game back at uh, Celtic Park. Um, and I think we're also meant to be playing a bounce game with Motherwell at some point um, before you know sometime next week <clears throat> before we um, we play Hamilton next uh, Sunday. But obviously we'll we'll preview the season and, and look ahead at the season overall and, and the games coming up uh, on next week's show. So Manny, it's been a pleasure. Lee, brilliant as always. Thank you. Oh, I I do actually like your hair. I feel as if I came across <laughs> as like a girl where I think it's nice. And I've got a lot of, you know, regret over what I've done to my hair during lockdown, but you've nailed it. Listen, Louis, it was, one thing about hair is that it always grows back, right? Always grows back. Well, tell someone I need it. Um, Alan, it's been a pleasure. We asked you about the artwork earlier. You didn't, you didn't say much, but you've uh, redeemed yourself when talking about football. Thanks very much for having me, mate. Cheers. This has been the Cynic Weekly and we will speak to you down the road.